The Love Good Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else. Build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com. Welcome to Love Good Podcast. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. I want to start by saying happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Hope you're enjoying your time with family, eating some really good fried turkey, and just getting some time off of work. You are listening to episode three, season one. We've got a very special guest coming on a little bit later. That is Luke Smallbone of For King and Country. I mean, these guys are traveling the world, selling hundreds of thousands of records. They've got Late night shows with Jay Leno and Jimmy Kimmel in their back pocket and really a heart of gold. Sitting down with Luke was actually one of my favorite moments yet for this podcast. All he really talks about is, is his wife and his kids and his love for faith, his love for family. He just totally gets the big picture. So I can't wait for you to hear that interview. As always, I'll be sitting down before that with Jenea Trudell, my trusted co-host. We'll be talking through what we call the Love Good standard. What does it mean to lead with beauty rooted in truth that transforms? And this is as much how we curate the media in our lives as it is how we seek to live and to love uh, and to be human. So it's going to be an incredible show. Hang tight. In just a few moments, you're going to hear the brand new song from our very own Scott Mulvihill. This is uh, Top of the Stairs, okay? Self-titled debut, EP that just came out. It's also track one of our free sampler that you can get for a limited time only at lovegoodculture.com. It's going to be a great show. We'll be back in just a few. And I'd rather have you laughing behind my back. Say you want to joke, put your head on the tracks. I'd rather have you laughing behind my back than living your box too scared to act. I may never make it in, I don't care. Welcome back to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell, with my trusted co-host, Janae Trudell. Hello. Janae, I mean, we're just trucking on through. This is episode three, season one. I mean, we are not slowing down. No, we're not. It's awesome. pretty, pretty dang exciting. You know, I, I'm very aware that people are feeling a little bit crazy right now. I certainly am. We are approaching the holidays. Thanksgiving is only not... Wait, do you know what Thanksgiving is? <laughs> Yeah, I do. But I get to celebrate two this year because yeah, okay. we've you said already that. had ours in Canada. You texted me <laughs> when it was Canadian Thanksgiving. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Just more food and pierogies. Do you know what those are? Um, pierogies. It's not the same thing as um, poutine. poutine <laughs> no. Po- po- poutine. They go well together. So, so good. So No, it's great. I'm excited. Excited to be here for it. It's really mm-hmm. cool. I mean, this has been an absolute privilege to have you on the show, to have you mm-hmm. uh, especially opening up these uh, different episodes with conversations about uh, beauty and culture and what it really means to live this art of being human. And we've got a really incredible guest on the show in just a little while 
who is really at the top of what many would call an incredibly successful career, right? Uh, Luke Smallbone of For King and Country, he is out there engaging, not just in a particular genre or a particular format, but he is very much, um, alongside his brother, uh, bringing music, and I would say by way of their music, bringing beauty into the hearts of a lot of different people across mm-hmm. a lot of different continents, across a lot of different even religious backgrounds for that matter, faith backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. And so it's going to be a really fun conversation. What, what does it look like to engage uh, and most importantly to transform culture at large? And part of our constant conversation in-house here at Love Good is what we call the Love Good standard. Right? What does it mean to lead with beauty rooted in truth that ultimately transforms. All right. That is the love good standard. But mm-hmm. what does that mean? I think for us, it's uh, so important, obviously, for things to be tr- attractive to us. It's, it's human. We need to see something as attractive. Otherwise, we're never going to move towards it. And so it's so important for things to be beautiful, like upon sight and sound, um, for, for, we, for us to live lives that are in a sense, like a- attractive to others that they want to be a part of and that we're welcoming them into. Um, but if that's not anchored in in truth, that's that's unmoving, then it's sentimental. And it can be kind of like kitsch, that sort of like sticky, sweet, dissatisfied, like candy. It's like it's nice for, for a few seconds and then you feel sick after and and it's not nourishing you. Um, so it's so important for anything that's beautiful, especially in art, but it, mostly in our lives, um, for that to be rooted in, in fundamental truths. And what is what are those truths? Um, and we kind of discover those a bit like we belong we are loved we can love we have a place in this world and a purpose and our lives have meaning um and that if 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 something is beautiful and it's rooted in truth it ultimately has to to lead to like a change of heart and transformation of life and necessarily when we are being transformed we are transforming the lives of the people we are in relationship with and are therefore you know our families are changed our friendships are changed and that those are the building blocks of society and so our society and our culture is is transformed as a result of us just opening ourselves up to that this by the way is a complete paradigm shift for me especially when i consider how i operated in high school uh, how i sort of went through most of my four years in college i was really convinced that if i could just convince people of the truth of things Mm -hmm. that they would get on board right but we're not exactly living in a very reasonable day and age there's not a lot of rational argument or debate on college campuses or in the media at large. I think most of us just feel quite overwhelmed by the by the constant barrage of what people believe to be true mm-hmm. for themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so what's interesting is leading with beauty, which is sort of the first part of this love good standard, uh, it invites us to actually become an expert in humanity first, yeah. to live our lives in such a way that we can't help but captivate others. We can't help but leave them in a state of wonder. Well, there's got to be something more, right? So I see in Jenea this joy, this freedom, <laughs> this integrity, and I long for it, right? And that's what it is to lead with beauty, to, to invite people in by simply living your life well. Uh, but we all know, and certainly you and I know, that what is in fact so beautiful about that, what engages people, is the truth that your life is rooted in, mm-hmm. the, the, the truth about love, uh, the truth about eternity. So this is a, pretty intense, really, but you and I were developing the language around this just a few weeks ago. You know, truth without beauty is pointless confrontation. Mm. 
but beauty without truth is empty show. I've heard it said once uh, that really stuck with me that truth without beauty is a hard slave master. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And reflecting on how that was true in my own life when, um, when I was confronted with something that was very true, um, but that lacked charity and lacked, it, it was not enshrouded in beauty at all. It was just this like naked kind of jarring, uh, like you said, confrontation um, for my heart. And I felt stuck and kind of my desire to pursue that was truncated. And I kind of stopped dead in my tracks because it wasn't attractive to me. And I knew that it was true, but um, it didn't make me want to follow it. And that's that's a tragic thing, when in, especially in, in art and media, um, when things are so true, um, but aren't beautiful and don't invite people in. Um, but on the other hand, beauty without it being rooted in something fundamental and objective even, um, is it just isn't, it's ephemeral and it, it doesn't, it doesn't last longer than a day and uh, it only satisfies us for a time and we've all experienced things like that. I could list a million examples in my own life. Um, So those two just need to be married (laughs) to one another at all times in order for the truth to really um, say what it needs to say and be effective in the way that it needs to be and in order for beauty to be seen and, and have a lasting effect on us. Um, Because both are so important, but if they're divorced from one another, it it just doesn't draw us in in the same way, and it doesn't lead us to transformation. Even in the world of media, it's so easy to find literature, films, music that are just chock full of truth, but they're presented in a way that's not artful Mm -hmm. and sort of doesn't come across authentic, and you sort of feel like you're just being preached at. And therefore, it doesn't transform. Mm-hmm. Of course, then so much of what even I listen to day in and day out, popular media, etc. I could just listen to the new Kelly Clarkson album. I'm sort of a fan, sort <laughs> of not a fan. Mm-hmm. I have a thing for like just female pop artists. I don't know what it is about Adele, previously Taylor Swift. Like They just have a way of captivating me. Uh, but if there's not more to it than what appears on the surface, mm-hmm. then I don't listen to many of their songs more than once. Mm-hmm. So time and over again, I have found in my own life that without beauty and without truth, um, things just don't sink very deeply and they don't have that transformative power. So that really is the the final thought here, right? That, that beauty and truth without transformation is smug complacency. Uh, to turn in on ourselves, satisfied that perhaps we have found truth and we have found beauty in our own lives, but to not share that with others uh, is obviously very selfish Mm -hmm. and not very joyful. Mm -hmm. I heard it said once um, that art that divides is not art and it's not beautiful. And it's kind of the same with our lives. Um, You could kind of say as well, if, you know, a life not shared is is not fruitful (laughs) and you can only live so like I would even dare to say like it's actually impossible to live for very long in that way. Um, it's so deeply isolating and so contrary to our nature is which is to be in relationship with one another. And I have to say that is part of what I love about Luke Smallbone. This conversation uh, that is about to unfold about uh, the, the, the career of for King and Country, some of the incredible successes that they have had only in the last few years is in fact a story that's also fraught with suffering and pain and real transformation 
for example, in Luke's life and in the life of his family. And what I love about him is he's the kind of guy who understands what it means to share life together. That, in fact, beauty and truth, that doesn't lead to that transformation, that doesn't, in fact, invite people together more deeply into the art of what it means to be human is not worth our effort. Mm-hmm maybe not even worth talking about. And uh, really excited to have him on the show. And Janae, as always, we'll really look forward to having you back next week. Mm, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. When we That was the Little Drummer Boy from the brand new Christmas album by For King and Country. We, in fact, have one part of that incredible duo in the studio with us today. Welcome, Luke. Hey, man. It's a joy to be here, man. You've made it easy for us today. You know, in town, a little bit of a drive. My wife is actually in the other room. This is good, man. Yeah, I was going to ask, how much time do you get to spend in beautiful Middle Tennessee, or are you just uh, constantly on the road like me? Uh, you know, it depends. It goes in seasons. Like, we, we're kind of of the of the country mindset where you don't really leave any longer than three or four days, right? So you're always kind of coming back. And and there's the rare occasions that we'll go away maybe for a week, but we're always kind of in and out of town quite a lot. So I'm, I'm in town three, four days a week, pretty much always. And there's those odd occasions where, you know, things call you away for just a little bit longer. That's cool. It does seem like that's unique to the industries of country and uh-huh. Christian and, and Christian, gospel music. Sure. Yeah. I think a big part of that is we're so close to so many major cities. As you draw yep. the radius out yeah. of Nashville, you get to a lot of big places really I, fast. I think I heard that, so that basically in, in Nashville, all the bus companies, most of the bus companies, like tour bus companies in America are housed out of Nashville. And part of the reason why is because I think you can get to 80% of the population within 12-hour drive. Wow. So that tells you something about we can always kind of come back. And the other thing is, I think, in the Christian and the countryside, we, we genuinely care about family. Yeah. You know? And so, it, it, no, I'm not going to have a—I'm not going to be a great dad if I'm gone for six weeks. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm literally not a dad almost at that point, you know? And so— uh, and, and, you know, for me to be a good husband, I need to be around. I need to be home. And so we try to make it, if we have to drive through the night, take red eyes, whatever it is, we're usually yeah. home uh, quite a bit. That's really beautiful. So what inspires, you think, not just yourself, but other artists like you to keep that foundation at home, to keep that priority on family life? Because obviously that's not necessarily what we would all see in uh, the music or film yeah. or kind of celebrity industry otherwise. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that that's... Uh, you know, when you look at culture and you look at the next generation, most of that starts with the family. And so I think if you can see the decline of, of society, if you want to say that, uh, because of family. You know, you see a lot more single parent families where, you, you know, I see it in my kids. They need my, my wife. They need me. They need both of us. And they need a healthy, stable family life. And when that takes place, your kids are just healthier. And so as they get older, then you get, they're not worrying about, they're not thinking about maybe the rejection that's taken place. They're actually thinking they're, they're from a, a position of strength. There's actually relationship equity in their life. And then they can actually contribute and pour out into society. So I would say for, for a lot of folks in the arts, uh, we, we're changing the narrative to investing in family because we actually see 
that is the future. That is the next generation. That is the people that if we can teach them to love well, those are the ones they're going to love. It's really beautiful because when you consider, I'm sure, the great hope that any Christian would have in the world of art, music, culture, to change the world, to evangelize, yeah. you know, the the ends of the earth. If we cease to uh, uh, somehow find that origin or that that foundation in love at home, if we're yeah. not faithful really to our primary call, yeah. right, yeah. as a husband, yeah. as a father, in your case, then the whole thing kind of feels empty and hollow, yeah. doesn't it? No, yeah, for, you're totally right. So tell me a bit about the experience that you've had over the last, gosh. Uh, it's more than five years, although that's how long the world has known y'all for king and country. What was yep. sort of the journey uh, of y'all as brothers, uh, even uh, kind of having grown up around your sister, who, by yep. the way, I was a, a massive fan of yeah, when yeah, I first discovered cool. Christian very music cool. in high school. Yeah, like I went on a retreat, changed my life, and knew that at least for the next few years, people like Rebecca St. James and Stephen Curtis Chapman, yeah. they were going to be the soundtrack to my deepening of conversion, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really a profound thing. Uh, and yet you guys uh, kind of exploded on the scene a few years yeah. ago. Tell me a bit about that journey as brothers, as a family full yeah. of artists, and just what it means to you to be yeah. doing this as a career right now. So I uh, did not anticipate doing music for the rest of my life. I actually used to make fun of the musician types because obviously I grew up in Franklin and the Nashville, Tennessee area. And so every person, every other person that you met was a waiter because they wanted to become a musician. So I was like, oh, there's another one of those music guys. And obviously God's got a great sense of humor that I end up being one of those guys. But I originally wanted to play sports. And so uh, in You're high really school, tall, by yes, the yes, I'm tall. I'm, I'm about six, four, Dang. which is still short in, in the basketball <laughs> world of things, but tall for the, the average Joe these days. And so I wanted to play basketball and, uh, my I had, my junior year of high school, I had I had not really devoted everything to the the, the sport of basketball. And I was like, you know, what? this is my year. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the training. I'm gonna pour hours and hours. I'm gonna get up early in the morning. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put the hours in. And so we come to my the first game of my junior year of high school, and I just make a fairly normal cut and I tear my ACL and my my left knee. And I was having a great game too. So I was sitting there in the game thinking everything I've worked for is paying off. And then. Uh, I bust my knee. And uh, so at that point, I actually went to my mother and I said, Mom, everybody, I'm, I'm one of seven kids. Uh, and I said, Mom, everybody else in the family's kind of got their thing, right? You know, every, you could look down and you could see all of the different areas that the family was going to. And I was the one that could do all of them a little bit, but not very well. And I just said, Mom, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I just don't have... This was it, and that has kind of been destroyed now because of an injury. And she said, you know, Luke, I believe that by the time you graduate high school, there's going to be one thing left for you to do. Mm. And I was like, okay. And so that kind of conversation ended, and fast forward really like a couple of years. And sure enough, graduate high school, didn't feel like I was kind of meant to go off to college. And Joel comes to me, and he says, hey, man, what do you think about writing some songs and singing on some demos and just seeing where this thing goes? And so sure enough, we uh, we just started the the process of becoming artists, which is not pretty. You know, you write hundreds of bad songs, <laughs> songs that you guys will never hear, hopefully, God willing, <laughs> unless somebody's going to blackmail us. Uh, and, uh, and, and about five years ago, about maybe a little bit more than that, six years ago was when things kind of started to change. We always kind of had this steady incline. It was just, we didn't have this explosive growth. Everything just kind of, it was like God gave us enough hope to keep going, but never kind of too much. And about six years ago was when our first single was released. And uh, 
the last five years has been, or six years, has been interesting. I mean, we've had, in the world sense, success in, in music, but it's actually been a... It's been like a little bit of a difficult journey. You know, I got really, really sick at one point. There's the goodbyes. There's all of that. But it's been the most fulfilling years of my life. And I think I've learned to enjoy the struggle, if that makes sense. And, and it almost has gotten to the point where the struggle I've found easier than what the world says is ease because I'm not as reliant on my own abilities. I'm, I'm more reliant on, on God and seeking out God and saying, God, you got to do something in my life because I just can't handle this. Mm. It's amazing how suffering has a way of making us feel more human. Yeah. yeah. And not just connecting us, of course, with people all over the world and all yeah. throughout history who have, you know, carried their own cross. Most importantly, it connects us with the Lord. Yeah. And so I, I just had this conversation with someone last night. Why should we forgive? Why should we offer? Yeah you know, generous, foolish love to a world that is obviously kind of increasingly a bit dark and a bit despairing. Yeah. Uh, why should we suffer, you know? Yeah. And the answer to all those questions is actually because it makes us more like Christ. Yeah. If the goal of the Christian life, yeah. as C.S. Lewis puts it, is to become another Christ, we should seize every opportunity at hand. So what has been the role of perhaps suffering and the the more even ordinary aspects of your life as a husband and father? What role have those things played over the last five years? Because the rest of the world may actually only see Luke of For King and Country, but yeah. of course that's not your your yeah. deepest identity. Yeah. Great question. You know, I'm 30 years old now. And when I look at my life, I, I was at a camp once and uh, the, the lady who was teaching this class, she said, you know, tell me, think about that moment where you were the most hurt and the, the, the d- disaster had come in, in your life. And I was probably 15 at this time. And, and just think about that moment and, and remember the way it made you feel. And I couldn't come up with the memory. Mm-hmm. And so for basically 20 something years of my life, I didn't really, I hadn't walked through struggle for the most part. And, uh, it's funny, I, I got uh, diagnosed with a digestive disorder and got super, super sick about four years ago. And I had to come off the road for two and a half months. I got down to, I'm six foot four, as we mentioned before. I got down to about 124 pounds, 25 pounds, and got really, really, really sick. And doctors started freaking out. And, and from this disease, you, you don't die from the disease, you just die from the symptoms of your, the disease. So your heart just one day just decides to, to stop. And so I was at this kind of crossroads and there was one particular night where I was like, God, I, I feel like I'm doing the things that you've asked me to do in life. And yet I'm somewhat deathly ill here. I could only, I literally would get, wake up in the mornings, go to the couch, would go, would stay in bed. I mean, it was not a pretty scenario. I was like, God, why am I so sick? And when you pray those prayers and you're struggling and you're, you know, it, it, in, in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are the the meek, blessed are the, the, and in the roundabout way, I translate it to the sick, to the poor, to these people. And I always was confused about that early on. And then I got to a point when you pray, it brings you to a point of desperation. And that's a good thing. Hmm. And, and I, I prayed that prayer, God, why am I so sick? And I felt this ray, wave of, of peace come over my life. And I felt God say, Luke, I don't need your achievements I don't need you to strive for me. I don't need you to work harder than the next person. I don't need your talents. I don't need all these things that you think that I'm desperate for. I just want your heart. I just want who you are. And man, at that point, it came to a point where uh, I kind of was, you know, 
bamboozled by that moment. And it, I became so grateful for this sickness. I became so grateful for the suffering because it put everything into perspective. And so now I don't think any of us are desiring to walk through hard things, but when they come, I don't resist quite as much as I used to because some of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned and, and been taught have come through suffering, have come through hard times. It's amazing. And I think something that actually the world needs to be reminded of, that I need to be reminded of constantly, because it's not even the, the big stuff. Sometimes it's just the daily pinpricks exactly. of life, yeah. you know, yeah. that we're so yeah. unwilling to yeah. unite with the Lord. And to just, again, uh, remember that actually so much of this world is, uh, you know, pretty broken. Yeah. And those little moments, even throughout our comfortable lives here in Nashville, Tennessee, or Columbia, Tennessee, there you, go, there you, you know, go. we just forget that pretty easily. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing that you've been raised, uh, obviously, to love God and to love family. And um, I hear not just in our conversation, but even different things that I've read online, that there's a, there's a certain love for culture and a desire, it yeah. looks like, to see the, the church really step into the culture and transform yeah. it from the inside out. How do you guys hope to be doing that and actually see the, the fruits of that in your own life and work as for King and Country? Yeah. Well, I, you know, one of the things that I've realized is, you know, when we were kids, right, you didn't have social media. You didn't have all this stuff kind of vying for your attention. You know, you had, if you had, if you were in the mainstream, you had a music video, you were going to see that on MTV, VH1. You had the channels of kind of communication were actually pretty, pretty small, right? Well, nowadays, you've kind of got, kind of got everything vying for your attention. And, I, you know, we're all kind of ADD, whether or not we want to admit it, because that's what we're kind of taught to, to be. Because if that's not holding my attention, then I got to go to this. And if that not, app, app isn't cool enough, then I go to this one. And so as artists, you have to ask yourself, how do you break through the noise? You know, how, how do you actually make it to where you're having an impact? And, and so um, that's where I think art comes into the equation. Because art has this ability to hook you in. You can, you can tell a story through song and lyrics and through music. And so people often, often ask, you know, so what's your hope at your show uh, when people come to your shows? And my hope is, is that they'll be wildly entertained so that they will listen, so that they will actually hear uh, hope in, in the things that we might say between songs, that they will hear hope in the songs. Because without being able to grab people and get, you know, get their attention, we don't really have much of a chance to be able to really impact who they are because there's so much going on in, in, in their lives. And so we think that, and, and we believe that music has this way and art has this way of bypassing the head mm. and going straight to the heart. And so when our goal is to make world-class music. I'm not trying to compete in the, the Christian music sense. I want to be, be competing with Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake, because if we're going to have a real impact, that's our benchmark. We need to be, you know, I just i am a firm believer in, in if we're in touch with the creator of the world, then our creativity should be good, mm. right? Mm. And so we need to be world-class at what we do. We shouldn't be just because we have the best message of all to tell. We shouldn't rest on that that should actually encourage us to get more aggressive, to get more, to get better, to get better at our art, to get, to be better singers, to be better songwriters, to be better, be, be better poets, to be better performers. And so I believe art has, um, is probably one of the best case, best ways to showcase the hope of the world. Mm. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do is because I, I firmly believe that. 
I love it. And actually couldn't agree with you more. I feel like I've given talks to college students and in some cases people with PhDs far smarter than me about the power that beauty has to bypass yeah. the intellect and yeah. essentially seize the heart. Yeah. And that can be a very dangerous thing, of course, when it's a counterfeit, right? But when it's real beauty coupled with the truth of the gospel in the case yeah. of, of your music and your lyrics, especially, my goodness, that is going to open the doors to people's hearts in a way that perhaps wouldn't be possible. And what yeah. I love about what y'all are doing is I hear your stuff on the river as much as I hear it on the fish in this town, right? Yeah. And of course you had like some cool moments over the last few years, such as being on with Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. You know, as you hear um, different stories from fans and people who are maybe discovering you for the first time, um, can you give me an example of, of where uh, perhaps uh, an event like a concert mm -hmm. uh, or a conference you've been a part of or uh, somebody simply hearing one of your songs on the air or a part of a you know, yeah. major network television yeah. show like, like uh, Jimmy Kimmel? What, what kind of things have you heard and what do you certainly moving forward um, hope that uh, even your fans who perhaps have friends who aren't Christian or friends who are yeah. far beyond the walls of the church, what kind of dialogue do you hope opens up between them yeah. and their uh, uh, non-believing friends as well? Yeah, well, so one of the, the first big network opportunity that we had was is we played uh, on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno before he retired. That was our first kind of bit, and it was stressful, and it was all this, that, and the other, and and there was an, a lot, a ton of little miracles that took place through that process. And so after we had done that, um, that performance, I, I, you know, whenever you push the, uh, the envelopes of genres in this, you get some positive and some negative feedback. And I, and at that time I was doing all of our social media, like replies on Facebook. And so I, um, I was, I was reading a, an article that this person was like, how dare you go on to Jay Leno? Like, I can't believe that you would do this. And, and look, you, you hear criticism and, and I wasn't really that upset about it. I got it. And I probably was one of those people many years ago that would be like, wow, you know, whatever. And so, but I was a little saddened by it at the same time. Like, oh man, I just hope that people who, who could have seen our, our objective. So then I fast forward through to some other messages and I just left that there for, for a little while. And uh, I fast forward through to another message and this guy emails and says, hey, I, I want to thank you for your performance on, on Jay Leno. We played the song, The Proof of Your Love. And he said, I was, I was scrolling through uh, the, the television and I came to your performance and, and I watched it and I, I really enjoyed it. And he said, I was reminded today that I might not have an earthly father who loves me, but I do have a heavenly father who does. And man, I, I remember when I read that, I just couldn't believe it. And this was a dude, I, I, I believe, who had insinuated on that in that email that he wanted to commit suicide. That uh, in, in the next 24 hours, he was planning on doing that. And that was his response. And so... You know, my, my hope is, is that we get to do more of those type of opportunities because I think sometimes within the church, we feel like it's based off of how brilliant my performance is, how brilliantly I communicated or how brilliantly uh, that song was received. And at the end of the day, we have to actually sit back and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of do mm. something in people's lives mm. because I'm very rarely am I going to sing a song perfectly. Very rarely am I going, is it all going to work perfectly? And yet still you get those responses. Mm -hmm. Still you have something that about whatever is taking place. When you come and you're doing everything that you can in your life from the perspective of Jesus, uh, it, gives, it, it, it gives him the ability to go out and work and go out and do things. 
And uh, that was a big moment for me going forward. And, and thankfully, that happened on one of the first in- encounters with network television. And that has inspired us to go, hey, uh, maybe we need to look at more opportunities like this. Because how many people scrolled through the channels mm. that, we, that we didn't hear about? That, n- that never actually emailed us. And so I think our, our hope forward, our, our, our hope going forward is, is to be um, a part of those things that hopefully people uh, are, are on the sidelines trying to help us open up some of those doors. And, uh, and hopefully we're opening up doors for other people mm. to be able to do this. Like we're only here, we're, yeah, we're fortunate to do music the way that we're doing it right now. But man, there's another generation coming and hopefully we can open up the doors and maybe inspire some people to go, hey, not only do I want to play The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, but I want to get on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> you know, Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I want, to, I want to keep going down. I want to be on with Ellen DeGeneres. You know, I want to go out and be able to do those things. That's, I think that's our hope. Yeah, and thanks be to God, everything I can hear is that you've maintained such a humility about who is actually the one bringing about all the transformation. And that is, of course, the spirit of the living God. Mm. It's so easy to forget that as a church, to think that somehow our salvation even, or anybody else's salvation is dependent on us, right? It's kind of this, for me, a cardinal sin of self-reliance, I suppose. So I just really appreciate both the, uh, the zeal that you have for the Lord and for souls and the real awareness that, hey, he's doing it all Mm -hmm. in our midst, Mm -hmm. through us, in spite of us. So thanks be to God for that. We're going to come back in just a few moments. We'd love to hear perhaps some uh, recommendations of maybe music that you're listening to right now, (laughs) movies you've watched, books you've read. Everybody hang tight, and we'll be right back here in a few moments with Luke from King and Country. Well, it's time to learn how we can build culture, that culture we've always imagined. We are here with Jessamine Anderson. Hey, Jimmy. How are you this week? Yeah, really, really good. So we're back at it. This is an exciting week. A lot of people are ready to chow down for their Thanksgiving dinners. Oh, we've got it's the just best meal of the year. Family time, football. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's the one day of the year where I think gluttony is even acceptable <laughs> amongst the holiest. Uh, here's a question. It is going to get crazy, though, on Friday morning. I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a day that is sort of gotten out of hand. Um, Oh, definitely. But but here we are as Lovegood participating, I think, in Black Mm. Friday this year, aren't we? Yes, we are. But ours is so much cooler than everybody else's. So you now have the sampler in your hands, right? And you're probably wondering, where on earth can I get more of this awesome music? Well, you're going to have to wait till next season to get more free music from us. But we have a special deal coming straight to you on Black Friday. We have Love Good Bundles. These bundles are selling like crazy at our events. And right now, they are only $25 in our store. It's a $70 value, Jimmy. That's crazy. A $70 value. And you only have to pay $25 plus free shipping on absolutely everything in our store. It sounds like I could do all of my Christmas shopping at lovegoodculture.com this year. Why wouldn't you? Music, books, and art, all curated by the Love Good Standard. I mean, this is awesome. This is the best deal that you can possibly imagine. And it's for a limited time only while supplies last. We are actually running low on the bundles already, so you're going to want to get your orders in very early on Friday. Yeah, no, it's really crazy because we've only been selling these at events up until this point, and literally not even a month ago, I sold 150 to one person. One person? One of our finest and longest standing patrons actually down in Pensacola, Florida. If you're out there, Vince Toops, you're still my hero. (laughs) So basically, this is the deal of the century. Anybody who is interested in great music, books, and art 
but especially those who are looking for a quick and easy bundle that can they literally turn into like stocking stuffers, the gifts that you've been looking for for all your family and friends. This is your one-stop shop, lovegoodculture.com slash store, right? Yes, Jimmy. Once in a lifetime, well, at least once in a year on Black Friday to go get your own Love Good bundle. Check it out. By the way, Nobody else knows about this yet. So when we run out, it's likely because all of you awesome people listening to the podcast got there first. So well done. Way to go. We'll see you next week. Bye, Jimmy. So we're back here with Luke from For King and Country. Uh, Luke, it's been a real privilege for me to hear you just sort of share out loud what motivates you as an artist, what inspires you as a husband, as a father, as a beloved son of God, the father. You know, uh, it's actually pretty rare to sit down with somebody for 20 or 30 minutes and to delve into the depths of faith and culture and the things we've been talking about. It, it really strikes me that, you know, our mission here at Love Good, which is to... Uh, Believe in the power of beauty to change the world, to rally behind artists and poets. Uh, one day, you know, we're going to have a, 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 a setup for carpentry and coffee roasting. And we'll be investing, I think, continually in people who understand this sort of creative aspect of the human person. Yeah. Because we've been created in the image of God, who is a creator. Uh, we're not all going to necessarily be artists and songwriters, but to to realize that in some way we are called to bring beauty into the mm-hmm, world, perhaps sure. just through the beauty of our life, by God's faithfulness. Um, so thanks for witnessing to that. There's obviously a, a great synergy in, in what you are doing and who you are and uh, what we are really trying to do over here as well. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to hear perhaps what albums you're listening to, books you've read, films you'd suggest. We've got a lot of people out there who are always looking, yeah. um, not just for like a positive, uh, wholesome alternative, because frankly, a lot of times that is just really hard to watch or listen to yeah. or read, you know, but things that um, have deeply inspired you over the last decade of your life, a, a book that completely transformed you, a, a movie that just knocked you around uh, in the most beautiful of ways, uh, and perhaps other artists that have inspired you in the last few years as well. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the music side, my wife uh, and I listen to we, we listen to like a lot of Beth- Bethel worship stuff. Mm. Um, the Helsers, I don't know if you're Jonathan Melissa Helser. We listen to quite a lot of what they do. Uh, what got me inspired about music as a whole um, and to be a part of writing and recording it was uh, Switchfoot, the beautiful letdown. That album. I mean, I don't even know how old it is. It's probably. 12 years old That's now. what I'm thinking, about yeah, 12, yeah. Probably, probably about 12 <laughs> years old. And uh, it was literally, I remember just being captivated by how good these songs were. And I that was the first moment that I actually asked myself, what if I was to write songs? Like, could I do that? Could I do maybe for other people what th- these guys have done to my heart and my soul? So that was probably the first thing. Uh, movies, movies. Uh, my wife and I... <laughs> Because we've got two little ones, right? Um, <laughs> most of my movies are seen through the lens of Pixar. <laughs> and so two of my favorite movies, uh, still to this day, that I just am like, every time even the kids want to watch them, I just love Up is one because it, it it's so grown up. For whatever, I'm amazed that kids love that movie because it just talking about emotions and, and what you're trying to achieve in life and this guy lose. I mean, that's a quite a heavy story, but yet brilliant and the other one is is uh, inside out um actually ironically enough but done by the same guy pete doctor who's the writer at one of the writers and uh, directors at pixar who i have immense respect for just because i think he has a a great way of telling a, a story but yet 
begging you to ask some deeper questions in life. So if you're expecting like this really indie, amazing film recommendation <laughs> from me, uh, I don't really have that. And I don't, I don't watch a ton of movies as much. Uh, when it comes to like television shows, my wife and I, maybe it's just because I live in Columbia, Tennessee, which is in the middle of nowhere, but uh, we watch Alaska, The Lost Frontier. Nice. It's about just homesteaders. Nice. And I'm captivated every time just about these guys just like, well, I can't, this, this tractor broke down and I got another dead tractor over here so I'm going to take a, a part from that tractor and put it over here I'm going to make the one tractor work again. though I can't do that I have aspirations to be able to do that but that's one of the television shows that uh, that we love the book that I'm reading right now uh, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dallas no. Willard but that dude is uh, it's a pretty intense read but he is absolutely brilliant and uh, really lives out uh, one of the things that he said in his book that really, really challenged me, he said, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. And I was sitting there going, man, think through that. And I, and I, I realized when he, when he said that quote, that most of the stupid things that I do in life or the anxiousness or the stress that comes through in my life is when I'm in a hurry. And apparently this dude has literally lived it. He, he has a, lives a very simple life. I think he was a professor at one, a major university. And that's been a book that I literally am only a third of the way through because it's just so intense to digest. And then my favorite author of all time is C.S. Lewis. I just uh, just absolutely love what he, uh, the way that he writes is, is is amazing. So those are the kind of like, yeah, I mean, not probably terribly unfamiliar to your listeners, but uh, Dallas Willard maybe being one that is, you should look him up. He's got some great, great work. It's great. Say it again about hurry. We should absolutely... We should ruthlessly eliminate hurry Dang. in our lives. I love that. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now that is basically saying the same thing about noise. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Good thing we're in a studio that's soundproof. Ooh, I'll you know tell what you what. Yeah, there's a lot of noise in my soul and a lot of hurry in my life. And you really miss out yeah. on, well, most importantly, the the heartbeat of God within yeah, us, you yeah, know, my sure. goodness, not to mention all the little miracles along the way. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, uh, thank you for being with us. You know, everybody can be checking out what, uh, Luke and Joel are doing, uh, all over the country, all over the world. They've got tour dates coming up for kingandcountry.com on YouTube, on their Facebook page, be following them on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, I really hope sincerely I, I get down to Columbia, Tennessee for a cu- cup of coffee in the square on, one day man. soon. Exactly. And I would love to have you back up here anytime. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Luke. God bless you. Here's the chorus to every song that we were born to sing. Here's the rhythm of your heart, so let the beat begin. He's so glorious. He is glorious. Hey, glorious is God with us. Here's the miracle of the love that set the people free. Here's the wonder of the world like we have never seen. He's so That was glorious off of the brand new Christmas album by For King and Country. What a joy to have had Luke Smallbone in the studio with us today. Uh, In just a few moments, we're going to have Faith Noah, who's called in actually locally here from Nashville, Tennessee. She's a senior at Vanderbilt. She's got a question for us about how we can engage with culture, which is really great. Uh, But also know that we're traveling constantly. In fact, uh, 
in just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in Michigan. Soon after that, I'm going to be in Indiana. Once 2018 hits, uh, even the apprentices and I are going to be off to Europe, spending two weeks over in Birmingham, England. I'm also going to be speaking at a Life 10 European conference in Barcelona, Spain. By the way, for all of our listeners out there who live in Nashville, Tennessee, for King and Country, we'll be joined with Rebecca St. James and Casting Crowns on Tuesday, December 5th at the Bridgestone Arena for a massive Christmas show. So if you want to hear our guest from the show today, Luke Smallbone, playing live on the big stage, this is going to be an incredible theatrical, dynamic, and moving Christmas time performance. By the way, if you don't live in Nashville, you can also see where the full tour is coming to a city near you, christmas.forkingandcountry.com. All right, without further ado, we've got on the line Faith Noah. Hello, good people of Love Good. My name is Faith, and I'm a senior here at Vanderbilt in Nashville. And my question for you guys, um, all about engaging mainstream media. And so I look around, and a lot of the mainstream media that's popular nowadays is not necessarily, you know, the good, wholesome wholesome input that you want to be putting into your to your mind and into your heart, whether that's music or TV shows. You know, those messages aren't always ideal, even though they are really popular in our culture. And so my question would be, how do you walk that line, you know, in the world but not of it, where you can engage with this media, you can stay culturally relevant, understand what's happening uh, with TV, with art, with music, but still kind of maintain that dignity and maintain that, that separation between pouring into yourself that which will, you know, build you up. Um, so any thoughts on that would be, would be great to hear. It's so funny, Faith. You know, this is a really brilliant question, especially given the fact that we've just spent so much of our episode talking about the love good standard. You know, what does it look like to engage with culture in a way that allows us to still be a a part of it, right? As you put it, Faith, to be uh, in the culture and not of it. And I do think it takes a bit of vigilance, a, a bit of discernment, a bit of wisdom, You know, I'd say where this is most troubling for me right now is Netflix, you know, like between Netflix and Hulu to get caught up watching season two of Designator Survivor, season four of Madam Secretary. I mean, I'm totally obsessed, right? Um, But what is it that I can use as a reference point to know that, in fact, uh, watching these shows um, is is helping me be more human, you know? And I have to say with those two examples, part of it is that there's a little bit of growth and understanding of American politics and the system of our government. Uh, there's also a, a real fascination with the way that in both of these shows, the the, the Madam Secretary, Tia Leone, the President, uh, Kiefer Sullivan, they do a really fantastic job of maintaining a real commitment to family life, even as they're taking on the greatest problems on the world stage, right? So I think what I see in some of those shows, for example, is virtue and uh, an example of the kind of life that I want to live. Um, is that going to be the case with most shows on Netflix and Hulu? The answer is, of course, no, right? So what does it look like uh, to, to engage with culture? I think a big part of it is being able to, to find the diamonds in the rough and to really call out the beauty of those things that are truly beautiful, and if they're popular, you know, uh, what an opportunity there is to then to, to point people in the direction of the things that make us more human. So I dare say it takes a great deal of courage and a great deal of wisdom. It'd be a, a lot easier to just disengage and to never 
uh, worry about mainstream culture or secular media again, but in fact, uh, we need people like you out there, Faith, who are out there in the midst of it, transforming it from the inside out, while also uncovering all those, again, diamonds in the rough along the way. So as always, you can call in and ask a question. Um, Every single week, we take in at least one of our listener questions. Next week, we're talking with Leah Darrow about beauty. Okay, Leah Darrow is a former America's Top Model. Uh, She is somebody who was on billboards all over Manhattan and had this uh, budding career, again, as a model. Uh, And yet, in the midst of that, she began to realize that she had settled for a lot of counterfeit beauty. What, What it really meant to be beautiful was, in fact, something entirely different than what she had been living up until that point. Leah is an amazing, amazing witness to me and also just a really good friend. So it's going to be a joy to have her in the studio. If anybody wants to ask us a question for next week specifically about beauty, all you have to do is email us a voice memo or an audio recording at content at lovegoodculture.com, and we'll be really happy to answer that for you. Uh, This is a wrap. It's been an amazing episode. Such a joy having Jenea, Luke, and even you, Faith, Noah, on the line. And uh, yeah, this is what it means to be human, right? To, to engage, to ask these questions, and to really embark upon a journey that leads us ultimately, we know, um, uh, into eternity. Uh, a journey that only finds its conclusion and its fulfillment in heaven. So for those of you who are out there pursuing truth, um, leading with beauty, Uh, seeking a life that is constantly being transformed. Know that you're not alone. You guys are amazing. We're praying for you. As always, this is Jay Mitchell, your host here at the Love Good Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. Massive thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else. Build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com.